We're going to start at the beginning, Genesis 1-1, and I think they're going to put the scripture up there, and uh, you can follow along. If you were here last week, you know we just decided to start at the beginning, and sometimes that's fun to do. And um, while, while we're reading these verses, I want to just do a tiny review in case you were not here last week. Um, but what, we, what we're talking about is that the story from Genesis is uh, not a story about necessarily how uh, everything was created, but why. So it's not a science book. Um, it's a theological book. It tells us about God, about our purpose for being here. Um, it's not the kind of thing that you would want to press for scientific details because it was never intended to give scientific details. So I think to do that is to kind of miss the point uh, of Genesis really entirely, not to mention um, what we know is really Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are two separate accounts of the creation story. The first chapter being a poem, right? A poem, it's got like a rhythm to it. Um, and the second one being more of an account. And so um, if you think that's new, it's not really new. You can read about it in like Exodus like 14 and 15 where, you know, they go across the, uh, uh, they, they go across the, the, the Red Sea, it's split apart, and they tell the story of it, and then they sing a song about it. It's called Deborah's Song. So when they sing the song about it, you don't expect the song to be perfect in all of its detail. You just know it's a what? It's a song, and you can read about it in Judges. There, there's several time, times that this happens in the Scripture. So chapter 1 has this poem, this rhyme to it. Uh, you know, it says, and, and on the you know, evening and the morning, it was the first day, and it was good. And on the evening and the morning, and so it has that kind of rhyme to it. All right? Second thing that, before we read, is this. Um, what we learned last week is that the Bible is not a story about going to heaven, but about how to live here on the earth. All right? And if you've been around Orchard Grove for a while, you know that we've talked about that. Jesus taught us that, right? The kingdom of heaven wasn't about a place, but it was about the kingdom of God, which was here on earth. That's why the prayer that we learned that we never paid attention to. Anybody? A prayer that we learned that we never paid attention to? Put your hand up. I got time. You, you learned it, but you didn't pay attention to it was, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on? Uh, in Wall Lake. As it is in heaven. That was the prayer, right? You prayed it. You heard people talking about it. But we, we just, then we bought into someone told us, no, it's all about leaving here. But it was about how to live here. All right. And um, the other thing that I think that's really important as we get ready to read is to remember that we can learn. This is so important. Not only we can, but we should learn not just from the Bible, but we learn from creation itself. We learn about God, ready? Not just from the Bible, we learn about God from creation itself. And if you go to Bible school, they even teach you this, right? There's different kinds of what they call revelation, God showing himself. So one of the ways is through scripture. Another way is through hunting. <laughs> Guys, are you with me? How many, how many ladies are like trying to drag your guy to church and he's hunting? He's like, I can't help you because I'm hunting. Why? Because he's seeing the glory of God. Right? And the scripture says that. The heavens declare the glory of God. So when you look at nature, you see what? More of God. What he's like. And so 
don't punish them for going hunting, right? Celebrate that, that they are out there, right? And they're learning. They're, they're, and so when you look at Scripture, you're seeing more of God. And when you're looking at nature, you're seeing more of God. Science, right, speaks to us just like Scripture speaks to us. It's okay to listen to both. Are you with me? Am I with me so far? All right, two of you. All right, I'm kidding, killing it today. All right, let's just read Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the sky and the land. Oh, two of you were here last week. The sky and the land. Now, uh, the earth was formless, or the land was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. So verse 1, you'd have like a summary. In the beginning, God made it all, sky and the land. Right away, he dives into the land. Now the earth, in the beginning, God made the sky and the land. Now the land dives in. We're going to talk about that. Why? Because it's a story about how to live on the land. This is a story about how to live on the earth. And he says the land was formless and void, right? Tohu vavohu, if you're speaking Hebrew, when I'm not, but you'll correct me afterwards. And it's, it's a word that's used, it's a phrase. That phrase, by the way, is borrowed by other writers later on in the scripture. Tohu vavohu, like formless, without, like, like, when I first bought a house years ago, and, and the house that I bought, they take you to a model. Anybody done this before? And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and then what you don't realize is how beautiful the landscaping makes the house look. And what you don't realize is how much money they paid professionally to have that landscape done, right? And then when you get this brand new house, and you walk up to the yard, and it's all just sand. And just tohu vavohu. It's formless and void, and it's, it's horror. It's like, this is what I bought? I spent all that money for this, right? And it, the land was not inhabitable. It was, there was no lushness. There was no greenery. And, and, and it's the same, same way they described the promised land when, when they were no longer able to inhabit it. Void. This is a story about the land. So this is a story for us about our life today. We could just take an off-ramp there. How many of you have ever had emptiness in your life? You've had void and darkness in your life. So right away, it's a story about our life. When it doesn't feel inhabitable. You ever had a, a week that you didn't want to inhabit? Did you ever have a calendar year in your life that I just didn't want to inhabit that year? Yeah, this is the story about that. This is a story uh, about you and I and the things that we deal with, the emptiness, the darkness, the chaos. Chaos is chaotic. So verse 2 is there's chaos, and then the Spirit of God's hovering. Here's the thing that you need to know when your life is chaotic. God hasn't left. The Spirit of God hovers. The picture would be like a, like, a, like a mother eagle circling the nest, just 
I, I got this. I got this. You know, in your chaos and the difficulty and the, in the dark seasons of your life, it's God's hovering. He's, I got this. I got this. You're feeling he's not close enough, but he's got this. And then it says, and then God speaks. God speaks, and he says, uh, let there be light, and there was light, right? And verse 4, it says, and God saw, and God saw that the light was, what, everybody say it together? Good. And God saw that it was good. Now, this phrase you're going to see repeated throughout Genesis 1. God spoke, something happened, and then God looked at it and he said, that is good, that's good. And if you get to the end, it says, God says, it is very good. It's very good. Now, one of the things that would be great to do during this series is to look at all of the words that we use in our English language and how they mean all kinds of different things. Good, God. Think about this. When you and I want to say something's good, you got to pick another word besides good, don't we? This is awesome. This is amazing. This is incredible, right? Right? But think about it. this is this is just they're just laying a, you see this thing and and when you when a word is new and it's pure, it's it has its punch to it. It's a, this is good. It seems a little substandard now, doesn't it? But but let me tell you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say perfect. How many of you grew up or you still believe today, right now, that the Garden of Eden was perfect. Put your hand. I won't look. I won't even look. Put my hands. And somehow I was like, it's, that was perfect. It was perfect. It doesn't say perfect. And I, we're going to come to this. God looks at it all. He makes it all. He steps back. And he goes, boy, that's really good. But he doesn't say perfect. Think about, think about it. Actually, think about the thing that you've believed in the back of your head that you never really thought through. Well, what would a perfect garden look like? What is, in fact, what does a perfect tree look like? If, if you use the stereotypical apple, huh? what does a perfect apple look like? Would it be, is there a perfect apple shape? How many have ever, ever gone picking apples? This is something I did with my grandma on a very regular basis, right? And you, know, you pick apples and you got these little, little lopsided ones and a little curvy. But can I ask you a question? Isn't the lopsidedness and the little curve and the different coloration, isn't that what makes an apple beautiful? Or should every tree, to be perfect, just think for a minute, if, if Eden is perfect... Should every tree look exactly what? Because to be perfect, it would have to be what? Exactly alike. Well, this one has an imperfection. But what we know about trees, if you go out in the forest, is trees are very what? Imperfect. Well, why is this branch going over here? And who said, why should there be two on this side? And, and this, anybody? Perfect is not a good word. Because perfect is not really how it was. Let me talk about perfection for just a minute because I think what I would like to do is to teach us this morning how to enjoy imperfection. How to enjoy rather than 
pursue perfection, how to enjoy and sell. How many can already say, I'm in, bro, because I got a lot less than perfect in my life. First of all, I think if you actually were truthful with yourself and you rethought it, you'd have to say, it wasn't. I know it's going to bug you. You're going to be, some of you are so mad at me right now. Because I think it's, no, but it doesn't say, it never says perfect. And what, and, and what does perfect mean? And isn't beauty and imperfection sort of tied together? Now, let's just, just get it out. Let's just get it out there. How many perfectionists do we have in the room right now? You're like, you're stressing out or whatever. Okay. And, I mean, you will, you will paint something 17 times. And, you know, I mean, you'll throw a whole batch of cookies away. or whatever. You'll, Things to you, uh, you. And you're also very high-stressed people, right? And... You, the Garden of Eden, it's nowhere said that it's perfect. You can go back and look and argue, but let me just move to the second thing. I, can I be honest? I don't think you actually want it perfect anyway. See, the whole problem is we've sort of made an idol of the wrong things. Like, we want perfection. Like, heaven is, quote, perfection. Have you thought much about what people tell us heaven is like? I mean, I did a whole series on heaven years ago. I have got to do it again. I have to. But, I mean, have you just thought about, like, well, what in the world are we going to do? If everything's perfect and you know everything and everything's finished and everything's done, what in the world are we going to do? What are we going to do? There's nothing to learn. I already knew that. Nope, I already knew that. I already seen that movie. Nope. Already. <laughs> nope. That bank account's already full. I people go. Oh, we're gonna have. We're gonna just have a church service that's gonna last forever. No, please God, no. <laughs> please God, anything but that. Honestly, I mean, I'm a pastor. I can't handle more than an hour. <laughs> Give me an hour and I'm out. Anybody with me? Like, all right, I got it, Chris. I got it. Let's go. We gotta go. People say, no, it's just gonna be this awesome. No, no, well, no. Man, you're screwing with me because I thought. But think about it. What? They, oh, there's going to be streets of gold. Streets of gold. Wow, that'll be fun. You know what I mean? Like we can play street hockey on gold. You know what I mean? Have like a diamond puck. <laughs> no, if you, if you let yourself drift there, you kind of go, yeah, I don't know if I want that. I think one of the things that's happened to us is we've let someone talk us into the idea that there is some sort of perfection. But the reality is we don't want that anyway. We want beauty. We want justice. We want peace. We want relationship. We want wholeness. We want less of our brokenness, but perfection? You know, there's a scripture, it's, I, I think it's Ecclesiastes, like 11th chapter, maybe 4th verse, and, and, and it's paraphrased in one translation that says, those who wait for perfect conditions will never get anything done. Have you known this to be true in your life? You're waiting for the perfect conditions, and if you keep waiting for everything to be perfect, you never get it done. How many are those people do we have? Like, just waiting and waiting. And, you, and so I looked up that verse, because I, I was trying to remember where it was, and I looked it up on, I was on my computer, and it gave up these pictures, like these graphics. And you know what the picture that kept coming up? It says, 
He who waits for the perfect conditions never gets anything done. It's Ecclesiastes, I think, 11.4. But the picture that they would have behind this was like a runner in the winter running. And I just felt so much guilt. I didn't want to feel that, right? Because what do I say to myself? I'm going to start running, but it's too darn cold out there. The scripture actually talks about if you're a farmer and you're looking and you're waiting for the perfect time to plant the crops, when the, when the weather is exactly right, you'll never actually plant them. There is no perfect time to plant crops. Can I, listen, there's no perfect time to do anything. There is no perfect time to do anything. You just have to do it. Yeah, there's better times than others. Don't get me wrong. I didn't say there's never a better, but there is no perfect time. So waiting for perfection can cause you to miss so many amazing things in life. But there's more. Looking for perfection can make you a very difficult person to be around. I know you didn't know this, so I'm going to tell you. You wanting everything and, can I say this, everyone to be perfect can make you a difficult person to be around. There's some dads that are just just hard to be around. Because everything has to be perfect. There's some moms that are just too much. Because everything has to be exactly right. There's some husbands or some wives or some... Right? Right? If you are the person that has to have perfection, everything, has, and not only has to go in the way that you have it in your mind. How many have ever done this to yourself? You put some little event in your mind, how perfectly it's going to go. Huh? Christmas. Huh? How many, how many of that one got blown up this year? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to go like this. You know, all the kids are going to come downstairs in order, thankful, right? How many, uh, I mean, Norman Rockwell screwed us up, didn't he? Didn't he? Huh? Right? Hot cocoa wafting. No, sorry, I said wafting. Right? Everything smells good. None of the kids smell bad. You know what I mean? And now, is that how Christmas works? No, it's no. no. Huh? One of them gets up way too early. Anybody? The other ones won't get out of bed. Right? When they do get out of bed, they cut in line in front of the other kid that's been up for two hours, ruin his day, right? Is anybody close? These, this is, so perfection, then what you want to, I'm going to control this thing. I'm going to make this thing perfect. When we make an idol of perfection, it makes us a difficult person to be around. I, I really think it's not that you have perfectionists and non-perfectionist people. I think we all have this tendency in us. It's just in different areas. But here's the other thing. Focusing on perfection, I, I need the perfect family. Not, not only has Norman Rockwell screwed us up here, Facebook screwed us up pretty bad here. Huh? Don't do that to yourself. Don't believe this. Huh? Don't believe people. What they publish on Facebook, that, that ain't them. 
That's a sham. That's a hoax. Right? Which one do you put in there? You've taken the pictures. The one where you have no chin. That's the one you put in there. You know, where the kids adore you. That's the one you put in there. That's a sham. No, look, but people are, now everyone goes home. No, because people feel really bad. Some of you feel really bad about your life because you think your life isn't as good as theirs. That's baloney. That's not their life. Trust me, that's not their life. I know those people. I'm their pastor, right? Like, that's not their life. But boy, does it do us a disservice. Now we go around thinking that's how, that's how my life should be. You know, if I was really great or if God loved me or whatever, that's how my life should be. Don't ever say that to yourself. That's how my life. Your life's amazing. Your life is good. It's not perfect. Your life is amazing. I have the perfect family. I have the perfect job. Right? In school, you've got to get perfect grades. Huh? Let's just get this out of the way. How many are like me, like a C plus and proud of it? Give me a C plus. Uh, some of your parents are so mad at me right now. You're ruining my kid. You're so mad at me right now. He needs to get A's. I know, but he's not good at that. Why is that such a big deal? Why is it such a big deal that your kid got a B minus? Who cares? You're ruining him, Chris. Get get the kids, right? No, your kids aren't perfect. Their grades aren't perfect. Your hair is not perfect. Like some couple, you're like, I don't have any hair. What do you know what you're talking about? (laughs) But we have this fascination with perfect. Now, this is what's important. It causes us to miss life. We miss life. Not part of it. We just miss the whole thing. Because we always have this thing that one day it's all going to be perfect. It's not. It's just not. I know it's better if I was a hype machine and a pastor that told you that if you did X and Y and gave enough in the offering, it did all, and bam, it was just going to fall on you. But it's not. It's going to be good, though. Everybody? It's what? It's good. Now you look back like God, and it's very good. Everybody say, it's very good. It's not perfect, though. What's the difference between very good and perfect? I don't know, but when God made it all, he goes, it's very good. There are Hebrew words for perfect. By the way, if you don't trust my Hebrew, look it up. That's not the one they used. How many got a very good life, but not perfect one? And you know what? We can start being happy and enjoying right here, like in, right here in like this warehouse with the green chairs. Yeah, with the green chairs. And wherever you're sitting at home. A lot of people miss out on life because they can't enjoy today. Because they're waiting for perfect. The perfect person to come into your life. How many know you got into a relationship and then you realized they weren't perfect? Remember when that happened? What? This is not what I signed up for. Anyway. So many beautiful things in life. What is a 
Anybody ever drawn, like, you remember art class? You, like, draw a mountain range. You remember, like, draw a road and make it like this? No? And then you put a sunset. And What's a perfect mountain? Kind of imperfect jagged is what makes it perfect. In other words, what makes something beautiful is its imperfection. There's no perfect bodies. How many want the perfect body? I mean, like, bam! Abs, hair, pecs, glutes, huh? <laughs> I know what you guys read. I don't know, huh? How many want some glutes, right? Like, and you, you want, and then you want every, you want it. There's no, there's no perfect body. Nobody. And you would meet somebody that you would think, man, that person. I mean, look at them. And and you will talk to them, and all they will do is obsess with you about all the things that they are not. Because there is no perfect. But here's the thing I want to focus on the most when I talk about perfection. If you're a perfectionist, it's hard to live with yourself. That's the worst of all. You're always thinking about the mistakes you made in the past. And if you're a perfectionist, you're never going to get over that. Unless you forgive yourself. Unless you admit openly and freely, I'm not perfect, my life isn't perfect, but it's good. We focus, it's, it's become way too polar. You know what I mean? Like we sing songs in church, it's all about, you're a sinner, which I'm going to talk about I'm gonna, in this series, I'm going to talk about original goodness rather than original sin. You know me, I've got to turn everything upside down because I think a lot of it is upside down, frankly. Because it's always the starting point's always, you're bad, you're bad, and that's not where I start. And, and that's not where it starts. It doesn't start with, you're bad. How many have ever, t- it's funny, we'll sing things in church, but we would never say to our kids. We will sing things in church we would never say to our kids. Come here, sinner, come here, come here, sinner, come here. Come here, little sinner, born in sin and darkness and depravity, come here. What the heck is wrong with us? No, what's wrong with us? What is wrong with us? Come here, you born in darkness, you little total depravity. Why do we do that? Do you, you believe that stuff? The church has just pounded it and pounded it and pounded it and pounded it. Pounded it for years into people's psyche. But you know instantly when you're raising a child, you don't do that to your kid. Come here, champ. Huh? Come here, Rocky. Come here, Tiger. Come here, Ace. Right? Wow, I can't do that one today. That's another sermon. I'm not doing that one today, but listen. If you start with... I need it to be perfect. I need it to be perfect. You're going to have a hard time living with yourself, and then it just spills out. We all do it to some degree, but listen. You just, when you're hard on yourself, well, of course, I mean, no, you, you look back. You look back. Man, if I would have taken that road, I could have had this. If I would have done, look, don't do that anymore. Stop looking back, rewinding the tape of your life, you know, 
And, I mean, the pro sports teams do it, and it makes them better next week. That's not what you're doing. You're going back. You're like, well, if I would have taken this road, if I would have done... Who cares? Who cares? You're not perfect. Your life isn't perfect, but your life is good. Stop making perfection a goal. And this is the thing i got to say. That's why it's driving me nuts what Christianity has done to people over the years, because it's basically religious perfectionism. And everybody that I meet is talking about how not a good Christian they are. Because as soon as they find out I'm a pastor, the first thing they guys do a bunch of confessions about how they're not a good Christian. Why do they feel the need to say that to me? Because for years, they've been told, you've got to be perfect. You've got to do this. 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 Who wants to be around someone that's perfect anyway? <laughs> a couple of you are like, I don't know if I should answer that or that. We're not perfect. We're, we're, we're far from it. But we're good. You're good. You can enjoy yourself and you can enjoy your own life so much more if you could get to the point where you said, you know what? It's good enough. Or if you could step back like God did over his creation and go, it's really good. I want you to do it. I do. I want you to look in the mirror without all the makeup, everything. Just go, that's really good. To me, I can't do it. It's too weird. It's not, I can't feel good about myself. I can't. Why? Because for so long, people have told us terrible things, lies, that we're not good. In the church and outside the church, you're not good. You're this, you're that. You're not tall enough. You're not smart enough. You're not spiritual enough. You haven't read the Bible enough. Who cares? You're good. Come here. Huh? You say the same thing to yourself that you say to that little toddler. Come here. How imperfect is that little guy? Huh? All he does is whine and make messes in his pants. And, well, you, you adore him. It's not about perfect. There's no perfect. It's good. I would dare to say perfect is a terrible goal for heaven. Perfect is a terrible goal for your life. But good can be enjoyed. Good can be celebrated. God saw it and he said, this is good. You know what I'd like to do? I would like to lift the burden of perfectionism off of your shoulders. No perfect. But you got a great life. Today's a great day. Today, right now. It's a great day. Huh? If I could do anything for you, I would just say, wake up every day and say, this is good. Man, this is good. Hmm? How many of us, truthfully, sometimes we don't do that? We go to what's not good. Not good about us, not good about our day, not good about our job. Not, that's good. Genesis, seven times, that's good. Oh, that's good. 